Hi, Gateway Church Dartford here. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. We trust that what you hear will be a blessing and an encouragement to your journey. This is welcome to part one of Back to Basics. I'm just going to find my notes. Here we go. And I'm going to sit down for a minute if you don't mind. Okay, and put my glasses on. Okay, so first of all, we're just going to, if you could just bow your heads and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're going to talk about some stuff. And for some of us, it might be stuff that we've heard many times before. For others, it might be the first time. But Lord, I pray that you'll just prepare our hearts to hear what you have to say today. I pray, Lord, that our hearts will be like the good soil in the parable of the sower, Lord, that what we hear will just will just germinate and bear fruit, Lord God. I pray that you'll give us um, help with understanding, Lord. I pray you'll help me to deliver it the way you want it to be delivered, Lord. And I pray you'll help us to just learn and grow closer to you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll just touch every life here today and that we'll leave different than the way we came in. In Jesus' mighty, powerful name, amen. So, yeah, welcome to week one. And week one is called... What is a Christian? What is a Christian? Can I hear someone? Is anyone going to dare to say what is a Christian? I'm opening it up to the congregation here. Somebody who wears brown. Somebody who wears brown. Um, anyone else? Don't be shy. Somebody who loves Jesus. Who loves Jesus. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyone else? Absolutely, in relationship with Jesus. So can I have the first slide, please? Uh, This is the first slide, and this is what I'm going to be uh, basing this teaching on. And this is from Romans, the first chapter of Romans, verse 16, and it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Now, I've put power in, in um, capital letters because I think sometimes when we read that, that um, scripture, we miss that little bit. And it's the power. There is power in the gospel message. Amen. And that power brings with it salvation. Amen. So we're going to be basing what we learn today on this. So park that to one side. And can I have the next slide, please? Sometimes... If we're honest, the world around us may think of Christians as this. Yeah. Girls, doesn't he look like the boy your mum wanted you to marry? Mm. Yeah. And can I have the next one, please? Sometimes we, some people might think of Christians as very angry, judgmental people. And if we're really honest, some are. But we mustn't be because there's only one judge and that is God. Amen. And then can I have the next one, please? And this is what a Christian is. Amen? This is someone who has been reconciled to Christ. And look at that hug. I can't wait to meet Jesus so I can hug him like that. It's it's just going to be so wonderful. And this is because of what he did on the cross. And that's what we're going to be talking about next. So, what is a Christian? And we've looked at that. So, sorry. In the beginning, we're going to go back to the very, very, very beginning 
of the Bible. And in the first chapter of Genesis, it's okay, you don't have to look it up. We're told that in the beginning, God made the world, he made mankind in his image. So he made everything first, and then lastly, he made mankind. And he said, let us make him in our image. That's what God said. And so we're not an accident. Now, a lot of us are brought up to believe in the theory of evolution. Um, I'm not going to go into too much of that right now, but evolution, this, this thing would tell us that we are accidents. This would tell us that, um, you know, life started with an amoeba in a, in, in a river somewhere, and then that, you know, the survival of the fittest, you know, each... each um, species, you know, just like lasted because they were the strongest of their species, that sort of thing. And that infers that we are accidents. We're here by chance. And that is absolutely, fundamentally not right whatsoever. We are all planned. God, it says in the Bible that God planned you before the foundations of the earth. He was thinking about you before he even made the world. Just let that sink in for a moment. He was thinking about you. He was planning on making you. He was planning on your life. He was planning on the relationship that he wants to have with you before he even made the world. That blows my mind. May I never, ever get over the awe of, of, of that thought. And... Um, He's made you for purpose. Every single one of us is, is made with purpose in mind, with a job to do. That's how important you are to God. And it was all perfect in the Garden of Eden. We all know the story of creation, that um, God created this beautiful garden and um, man was there and then he made his wife, Eve. And they, um, it was perfection. But he said to them, do not eat from this tree. Everything's all right except for this tree. And then we all know about how the serpent said to Eve, eh, don't listen to him, you can eat it. And she eats it and God knew straight away. And in that moment when she had that fruit, sin entered the world. Now, God is a just God. It might appear thing to us sometimes. You might think, well, why did God have to be so mean? Why did God throw them out of the Garden of Eden? Because God had made rules. And he'd made these rules so strongly that even he abides by them, even though he's God and he can do anything. He is a just God. And if he doesn't act justly, that makes him unjust. And if he ignores sin, that makes him unjust. Everything has a consequence. Everything we do in life has a consequence, whether it's good or bad. And um, that can be difficult to understand sometimes because, you know, we're thinking about this with our human minds. But in Isaiah, it says that God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And that would mean that because he's God and we are mere man, we're mere mortals, we are the creation. He is the creator. He is a more intelligent thing than we are. So we cannot understand his ways sometimes simply because our brains cannot fathom it. And that's how it is. We have to trust him. Sin separated man from mankind and God had a plan. He wasn't going to leave it there. He'd gone to all that trouble to make mankind. He knew that this was going to happen because he knows the end from the beginning. 
and he um, he didn't want to leave things the way they were. He wanted, he just wants to love us. And he didn't want to give up on that, but that separation was there. And um, he planned to, in Genesis 3.15, it says that God promises to send a saviour. So even at that point, he promises, it's not going to stay like this. I'm going to send a Messiah. I'm going to send a saviour. And his plan was to send Jesus, Jesus the Messiah. And can I have the next slide, please? I sound like that man from, you know, when we had the pandemic. What was his name? That's it. Yeah, next slide, please. Sorry about that. Um, this is the Trinity. So I'm just going to get up. Um, you've probably all seen this in RE, but... God. God is the Holy Spirit. God is the Father. God is the Son. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. Three in one, a bit like an egg. You've got the shell, you've got the white, you've got the yolk. And that is God. So, um, all equal. And um, between the... T- so, so, sorry... God decides, God the Father decides to send Jesus, the Son, to earth to make atonement for our sins. How are you all following? Yeah? Between the time of um, the Garden of Eden and Jesus' arrival, um, his arrival was prophesied. Um, You probably all know the very famous one in Isaiah. Sorry. In Isaiah about how he's going to send a Messiah and describes his life and how he's going to die, how he's going to rise again. And they're all waiting for, the Jewish people in Israel, they're all waiting for this the saviour to come. In the meantime, the Jewish people, um, they had to, uh, because of this chasm between God and mankind, to um, God had directed them in the Levitical law to um, make atonement for their sins. So they'd have to perform a sacrifice and they'd have a day of atonement and the tabernacle and all of these things that I won't go into in depth today. And um, this was all because of that gap between God and man. But God still had his plan. God knew it was impossible for mankind to live up to his standards and not sin. Because if we're living in a sinful world then we're, we're influenced by that world. It's very, very difficult to, um, to fight the flesh within us, to fight the, the urge to do things wrong. You know, we're born into sin. That sounds really weird, doesn't it? But because of this precedent that mankind has set, every single one of us is born with a sinful nature. But you don't have to teach children how to be bad, do you? You know, think about it, your little toddler running around, you know, touching the stove and stuff like that. But, you know, it, it comes to us, you know, to, to rebellion comes naturally to us, unfortunately, as human beings living in a sinful world. And um, so God decided to save us by his grace. Now, what is grace? Grace, this is Grace sitting here. Hello, Grace. <laughs> and um, grace means undeserved favour. You don't deserve it. You know, mankind didn't deserve to be saved, but God wants that relationship with us and he's chosen to save us by his grace. And in Ephesians 2, 8, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done and none of us can boast. 
So the salvation that God brings us when we become Christians is not anything that we've earned. You cannot earn your way to heaven. Good works will not get you to heaven. You know, you might, someone might die and say, well, he was a good person. But unless he knew the Lord, as his, Jesus as his Lord and Saviour, unless he was born again, he didn't go to heaven. That's a tough truth, but it's, it is the truth. And um, so I just want the next slide, if you don't mind, please. Now, this shows us this chasm here. Now, there's God the Father on one cliff edge, and then there's us on the other. And Jesus came to, like, make a bridge, if you like, so that we can come to the Father. So how did he do that? He sent Jesus to the earth to reconcile mankind to him, and we need God, you see. Um, getting all together what I've said, as human beings, as well as being born with a sinful nature, we're all born with a void in our lives that only God can fill, like a God-shaped hole. And we spend our lives trying to fill that hole. We spend our lives trying to find fulfillment in so many different things, but only God can fill that hole and give us the satisfaction that we need. Take it from someone who has tried all sorts of other things. Only God has brought me satisfaction. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. And um, when we don't know God, we feel unfulfilled and uncertain of what's missing. I mean, if you don't know God, have you ever thought, what's the point? You know, I could, I could do this, I could go travelling, I could have this wonderful career, have a family, fall in love. And I try all of that. And I still don't, I feel happy, but there's still something missing. That's that God-shaped void in your life. And, um, you know, if you look at celebrities, we're all aware of the, the, 20, uh, the, the 27 Club, is it called? The, the, the 27 group of people. Those celebrities all died at the age of 27. Now, I think all of them had something in common. You know, I think that they all probably felt that if they got famous, that would fill that void. And then they thought if they got rich, that would fill that void. And then they still felt unfulfilled. And I think of people like, one of my favourite artists is Amy Winehouse, and I think that this is what she went through. And then that isn't fulfilled, so they turn to drink and they turn to drugs. And before they know it, their lives have spiralled out of control. These addictions have taken over their lives. And not only do they still feel unfulfilled, they feel like that there's, there's no escape from what's going on. And this is a tragedy of, of life, not only today, but in the past as well, where people try to find fulfillment in other things. It just doesn't work. We end up searching for love in all the wrong places. And, you know, it's, it's just so sad. And only God can, can, um, can complete us. Can I have the, the slide of Jesus again, please? That's fulfillment. Because of the cross. That's fulfillment. So um, Jesus died on the cross. I'm sure you've all heard the Easter story in one shape or form. Jesus went to the cross. He knew he was going to the cross. He's God. He could have stopped it, but he chose to go to the cross. He chose to do that for you. And let me tell you, any one of you, that if only you lived on this earth, he still would have done it just for you. That's how much he loves you. And on the cross, he, he was accused of many things. We know that um, 
um, the people of the day, the people from the Sanhedrin, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they didn't like him very much. They felt that he was breaking the law. And he did actually break the law a few times, healing on the Sabbath, um, you know, some of these things. And they just wanted to get rid of him. But he allowed them to capture him. And he felt it. It's not like he was, you know, he was God, but he was made man when he was here. And he still felt that the horror of what he knew was going to happen to him. When you read about when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says to, to God the Father, if it be thy will, take this cup from me. He was sweating t- blood. Now that is a phenomenon, I've forgotten what it's called, but it's an actual medical phenomenon that when someone is so upset, so stressed, something happens to the capillaries and they actually do start to sweat blood. That is how horrified he was. He knew how bad it was going to be, but he still chose to do it for us. And um, so when he was on the cross, um, you know, he, he, knew, he took our sin on that cross and he experienced everything. He died a horrible death. And after three days, he was raised from the dead. He went down to hell and he took hold of the keys to sin and death and he took that away from the enemy and said, ha ha, not today. And he rose again. And through him, we can have that. You know, we have, there is no death, but simply a difference, a change. We go from death, we go from here to eternity. Just like that. It says death has lost its sting. And then when we um, surrender, we have to go through this process of many places in the Bible. It says, believe even what we looked at at the beginning, it says, when we believe. But we need to do more than that. In, um, so if we go to John 3, verse 1, it says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know, so they still refer to him as rabbi. Rabbi means teacher. We know that you're a teacher, come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God's with him. Jesus answered to him, yeah, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus is a bit confused at this point, as you can imagine he would be. And he says to Jesus, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter uh, for a second time into his mother's womb? Huh? And Jesus answers, truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born in the flesh is flesh, but that which is born in the spirit is spirit. Don't marvel at what I say to you. You must be born again. So basically what he's saying is we have a human life. We have our life in the flesh and we have a life in the spirit. And both our flesh needs to be born and our spirit. And that is what is born again, our spirit. So in order to do this, we surrender our lives to Jesus. Surrender. Now, that's a big word, isn't it? Surrendering our entire lives to someone that we've never met, that we've not seen. That is faith. Faith is believing in something you've never seen. And we surrender our lives to him and we ask him to take over. We put him in the driver's seat of our lives. And then we repent of our own sins. We've all sinned. And we ask for forgiveness. And then in um, 2 Corinthians um, 5.17, it says that when we've done this, it means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. 
Now, he doesn't promise that this is always going to be easy, you know, but he does promise to never, ever leave your side. You might not see him, but you'll feel him. You'll know he's there. You'll sense his presence. And he promises never to abandon you. That was a big deal for me because sometimes I felt pretty abandoned. And then as we begin this new life, we go on a journey. And that's where discipleship comes in when we learn about walking with God and growing with God. And we're going to be covering that in session four. And one of the things that we can do in the meantime is we, we, um, we start to read the Bible. We can listen to some worship music and enter into worship. But the greatest thing you can do is to join a church and to make friends with the people there. And, you know, iron sharpens iron, it says in the Bible. And that means that, you know, our lives can help other lives, which can help other lives, which can help other lives and so on and so forth. Now, sometimes that journey can be a bit difficult. I mean, actually not sometimes, a lot of the time. I think every single Christian that you will ever meet will tell you of some difficult times that they went through that might have challenged their faith. And sometimes it can be a bit too much. Sometimes we push through. But sometimes we can sometimes go to something that's sometimes referred to as a faraway land. When we're kind of not walking with God and we've gone back into our old ways and we're having our own old thought patterns and suddenly before we know it it just feels so alien to us to be walking with God and so many have been there I've been there I've been there and that's what I want to turn to next I want to tell you a very abridged version of my story and um, I was born I'm, I'm a pastor's daughter um, my dad was a pastor my mum my mum is here my dad's with the Lord and uh, I was born while they were in Bible college, even. So um, I was born right there, right in the middle of the Jesus movement type times. You know, the Christian hippy-dippy, you know, growing a long beard stuff and lots of guitars and things. And uh, I've got really great memories. And uh, things were bliss. Things were wonderful. I had an idyllic childhood up until I was about 10 and uh, there were other things that had gone on in the background, but my mum did a really good job of shielding me from it. And my dad had a lot of issues, and um, I love my dad very much, um, but he was a violent man, and, and, and he was also a very, he was a bit of a ladies' man as well. And he did a lot of naughty things. And that ended up with us, my dad getting the sack from, from pastoring a church in Jersey. We'd gone to live in Jersey. And our, our home was a manse, it belonged to the church. And we actually, because my dad refused to move, we ended up being evicted through the courts and it made the front page of the local newspaper, which was really embarrassing because everyone at school was like, yeah, you being kicked out your house. And so we ended up living in hotel room to hotel room to, uh, you know, um, holiday apartment. And we met some interesting characters, didn't we, mum? Yeah, we did, didn't we? And uh, those times were very difficult because my dad's moods would switch just like that. And he could be really lovely in the morning and he'd be knocking seven bells out of you in the evening. And because um, uh, we, were, we, were, we were kind of, it was inferred by my dad that we must never tell anyone. And it was abuse in every shape or form, you know. And I was, uh, at different stages of my childhood, abused in every way that you can think of. And... Um, when I was three, my mum said to me, just backtracking a bit, when I was three, I, I used to love to play, um, I, we had a front door and it had one of those um, neck curtains. 
And I used to love to put that over my head and pretend I was a bride walking down the, the aisle. And um, I remember one day I was in the kitchen and my mum said to me, would you like Jesus to come and live in your heart? And I went, what? How can he climb into my heart? And she explained, you know, and I said, oh, I'd like that very much. So I walked off, put myself under this little this little um, neck curtain and asked Jesus to come and to live in my heart. And then I kept going out for prayer all the time because I was worried that he hadn't heard me. <laughs> and, um, and then when I became a teenager, I was, by the time I was about 14, this, this stuff at home, you know, was, was very difficult. My dad was, my dad was in an in a, in, in, sorry, inappropriate relationship with a woman for a long time. And um, my dad decided to start a church with her. And it was all very, very difficult, very tense, very wrong. And uh, only God got, got us through. And um, I think because of that, me and my mum and my brother are really, really close because we got through all of that together. And um, the, um, um, I went away from God because I was angry. I was like, God, what's going on? You know, I mean, we've lived our lives for you. We've, we've you, know, our, our, you know, ministry was all I'd ever known, like with my parents. And any pastor's kid will tell you that when your parents are involved in church life, they're involved in it too. And uh, I loved it, you know, and I'd gone from these people that I've been at church with that I'd referred to as uncle this and auntie that, to them not being in our lives anymore. And I really struggled with it. And um, I um, really, you know, started, I got depressed and this was childhood depression that nobody talked about back in the 80s. And... Um, by the time I was 15, I was, I was ready to go. I was ready to just do everything that I wasn't meant to do. And so I started to go out with very inappropriate boyfriends, looking for love in all the wrong places because it just felt I had a massive void in my life to fill. And because I just pretty much walked away from God's ways. And I, I was like, you know, I was with, with, with bad people, bad criminal people. And um, I, my, my life just went downhill, downhill, downhill. And um, I was getting up to all sorts of things, you know, and sort of, you know, dancing on podiums in nightclubs and going out with drug dealers and stuff, you know. And, hor you know, people that, you know, you, you don't want your daughter to go out with. And um, thank God my daughters haven't copied me. And so... so um, it was 1996 and I was 20 and um, I was starting to feel a bit of conviction. But I really, I went to church because my dad was going to make my life difficult if I didn't. And, but I just went there to just sit at the back and laugh at everybody. And, um, the, um, and, and I was so sad, so, so sad, so unfulfilled. Um, I'd go out clubbing, which I loved so much at one point and it just wasn't doing it for me. Um, everyone I went out with would just like ceremoniously dump me. My friends didn't want to know. I was in a bad place. And uh, there just seemed to be no satisfaction in life. And I kept having this vision in my mind of a, of a man with such a kind face. And he'd have his arms open like this. And he'd be smiling, beckoning me. I thought I was going mad. Um, I wasn't going mad. This kept happening and happening. And then I started to think, what if God came back and I was up to something I shouldn't be up to? Um, what if the rapture happened? Um, you know, is my life pleasing God? And then a woman came over to Jersey and she wanted to do a, a, 
like a kind of festival type thing. She wanted me to sing it. And I thought, how can I sing it that? Get up and sing Christian songs. Jersey's a small place. Everyone knows each other. If people see me there, they're going to laugh and go, what's she doing there? She was in the pub last night and she was absolutely under the table. And I thought, I can't be a hypocrite. And all these things combined together got me thinking. And I was with this guy, he was really horrible. And um, one night he decided to punch me. And I, and I said, that's it, I'm walking out. And I was completely off my box, totally stoned. And um, I walked to the front door. I thought, I'm never going to talk to him ever again. And I go to the front door. And I don't know whether it was God or the drugs, if I'm really honest. But the raindrops looked huge. And I just went, God, you're amazing. You know, you made the rain, you made the weather, you made all of these things. And you are wonderful. And I'm sick of this. I am giving my life back to you. I want to come home. And... I think God was probably, um, you know, very pleased with his arms outstretched, probably tutting at the fact that I was stoned, but having a bit of a giggle anyway, because because he loves me and he loves you. And um, he knew that I was not going to touch that stuff again. And um, the um, I got home and um, that was the beginning of a new life a new life that I've never looked back on. And I've been through some times, you know. He's got us through a lot. He's got us through my dad's death. He's got um, me and Chris through some difficult financial times. He got us through our son's death. He got us through some difficult times in another church. He got us through when I was sick last year. He saved my life. He saved me from the point of dying. And I've got so much to be grateful for. And I just want to encourage you today that if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, then think about it because he just wants to love you. He doesn't promise that it's going to be easy, but he wants to love you and he wants you to spend eternity with him when you pass on from this earth. I just want us to watch a video and this video made me cry and I just hope it touches you too. Oh, wow. It's just, wow. I'd like to call the worship team back to um, the, the platform, please. Now, I just want to give an opportunity, um, if you've been, if you've, if you've felt touched by, by what's been said um, and you don't know Jesus, I want us all to stand up and say this prayer some of you you know you said this before and it's just nice to say again other times might be your first time you might not want to and that's fine it's a choice but this is what we're going to pray we're going to say lord jesus i confess my sins and ask for your forgiveness please come into my heart as my lord and savior take complete control of my life and help me to walk in your footsteps daily by the power of your holy spirit Thank you, Lord, for saving me and for answering my prayer. Amen. And if you've prayed that for the first time, I'm not going to ask you to you know, embarrass yourself or anything. Just come and see me afterwards, and I'd really love to chat with you. And I just want to offer an opportunity for anyone, if you want to come out um, for prayer, for anything, you know, we're here to pray while we sing this song. Oh, no.